0: Also come to order if members can take their seats.
1: This budget is a huge job maker and the number one solution to economic insecurity is a job.
0: Hungry children can't learn and it's our responsibility to try to help.
1: Equality and opportunity.
0: I believe most people are here because they want to do some good.
1: You know what that stock music reggae background means. It's time for a brand new episode of Capital Ideas. It's the podcast where members of the Majority Democratic Caucus in the Washington State House of Representatives sit down at the Capitol and talk about ideas. Today's ideas come from 41st District Representative Tana Sen. A legislator since 2013, Tana chairs the House Human Services Youth and Early Learning Committee and she's co-founder of the Moms Caucus. In today's episode, we're going to talk about some of her more significant bills of the 2024 session involving infants, toddlers, young people, families, seniors, in other words, everybody, and plenty more. We recorded this at the state capitol in Olympia on Wednesday, February 14, 2024, and it went like this. I'm here with Representative Tana Sen from the 41st District, and it's a pleasure to see you, Tana. Thanks for coming by.
0: It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me again.
1: A couple of times ago, you were on here with Rabbi Daniel Weiner, and we had a pretty good discussion. I would like to recommend, if anybody's interested, they can go back to 2017 in our archives at housedemocrats.wa.gov and listen to that podcast. But today we're going to talk about some other things, including electric school buses.
0: I'm so excited about this bill. It's a little goofy that I'm so excited, but I am. When I was in college, I drove a school bus, a big yellow diesel school bus, and now I get to work to make sure that kids aren't breathing in those fumes from diesel school buses. So there's this bill that's going to help get those diesel school buses off our streets
1: and the drivers have to breathe those fumes too.
0: Absolutely. The breathing the fumes, it's loud. I you know you end up with like a buzz in your ears when you go home at night. So this is going to help our kids, our bus drivers and our communities.
1: I'm not sure how common it would be for two people whose careers brought them to the Capitol and they're sitting across the table from one another right now, and they both were school bus <laughs> drivers earlier in life.
0: I think that probably is pretty uncommon.
1: What, what are the guts of this bill? I know that it's been through a couple of iterations, and like many things around here, it's been changed to garner more support along the way. What's the current status of that bill?
0: This electric school bus bill, which is really a zero-emission school bus bill, so a hydrogen bus would be just fine, right now it's focused around grants for overburdened communities or the school districts in overburdened communities. and ensuring that they get first take on grants for infrastructure and for currently electric school buses to replace diesel school buses in their communities. And then it also directs the OSPI, the Office of Superintendent of Public Instruction, to look at the total cost of ownership of an electric school bus because you're actually going to save money on fuel costs and on maintenance And so over time of owning that bus, the total cost of ownership or TCO will be lower than a diesel bus. So directing OSPI to figure out how to capture those savings um, in a way that allows more school districts to shift from diesel buses to electric buses as those buses come up for renewal.
1: There's all kinds of intangible expenses that go along with diesel school buses as well. There's no way in the world to measure the health impacts on kids and what kind of medical expenses that entails during the rest of their lives.
0: Absolutely. Asthma, respiratory illnesses, uh, long life health issues, are, it's, it's real. The other group that I think people sometimes are uh, forget about is like the Seattle Aquarium has this as one of their top priorities because diesel buses also leak a lot of oil onto the roads, which then washes into our rivers, lakes, and sound, killing fish and animals. And so this is really an environmental priority. This is a labor priority. This is a pediatrician priority. And This is a school district priority now that we've adapted the bill to accommodate some of the concerns from school districts.
1: This bill passed out of the House just a few days ago, and now it's over for the Senate to take a crack at it. What kind of reception did you get on the House floor?
0: I'm proud to say it was a bipartisan vote coming off the House floor, and I hope that carries us strongly into Senate consideration.
1: Like everyone in the House who sponsors a bill that they want to see eventually end up on Governor Inslee's desk for his signature, I know you're going to be working behind the scenes to make sure that this does get traction in the Senate. How do you feel right now?
0: I've been working this bill quite a bit with the governor's office, with climate solutions and other environmentalists, with school districts across the state, really taking into consideration their concerns about distance or cold or heat, all of which we mitigate or can be mitigated by very powerful, wonderful electric school buses. Over 70 school districts sent a letter recently to Senator Wellman, who's the chair of the Education Committee, in favor of the bill and urging her to have a hearing. So I'm feeling optimistic. I also know this is a really important bill to show the impacts of the Climate Commitment Act and how we can use those dollars to benefit communities across our state. Overburdened communities, rural communities, Every community across the state needs cleaner air. This is a great way to get our transportation system greener and cleaner and our air greener and cleaner as well.
1: The best of luck to you. You've got a few other priorities. You've been here for several years. You are one of the more active members of the House in terms of sponsoring bills for things that you feel passionate about. Families, kids, kids, young people. You sponsored House Bill 1916, which is going to make some fairly significant, although maybe invisible to the general public, changes in the way the Early Support for Infants and Toddler program is paid for.
0: Yeah, ESIT is a really important program. It is the first step in special education, helping kids zero to three learn how to walk, talk, eat, move, communicate, depending on their developmental delays or their disabilities and really working with families as well to educate and bring them along to understand their, their children's needs. And 40% of our youth who go through ESIT services don't need any special education going forward. Uh, but if we're going to have these services, then we need the providers. And so this legislation helps them Honestly, with more more services, more money, <laughs> frankly, this bill allows them to recapture the costs for every child they serve instead of just the month after a child starts. So it is a bit administrative, but that's going to have huge impacts for our providers of these early services for infants and toddlers.
1: It seems like a whole lot of the work that requires some pretty sharp skills would be done within that first month in terms of... Assessing a child's needs, working with the parents, much more than ongoing services.
0: That's exactly right. I'd also just say, you know, this bill this year, I think every single year I've been in the legislature, I've had a bill or passed a bill dealing with developmental disabilities. And again, this bill is so meaningful to Uh, little kids, this is a prevention bill, this is a family bill, this is a developmental disability bill, this is a education bill. I'm excited about this one too.
1: You said the word education which makes me think about schools, which makes me think about harassment and bullying because that's where my mind went. This is another issue that you have felt strongly enough about to work on legislation to improve that situation.
0: Yeah, actually in graduate school I many, many years ago, I worked on coming up with a definition of what is bullying. And that just shows you how long ago that was when that really was kind of a shocking word that people didn't necessarily know what it means. Sadly, too many kids know exactly what that means And so whether it's social emotional learning, whether it's improving the systems of how our schools react and address um, bullying, whether it's uh, mental health. Or something like this year, a hate line um, working to make sure that victims of hate crimes can report bullying slash hate slash vandalism slash you name it. I think this is always something very important for us to address as as a state and as a
1: community. I want to go from that to another subject that I know because I know you, I've known you for several years, I know you feel strongly about, and that's firearm safety. Uh, You had a bill this year that, you know, it should have passed 10 years ago, but here we are, having to do with the state patrol and confiscated firearms.
0: This bill should have passed 10 years ago, and I introduced it 10 years ago, but here we are. I'm feeling good about it this year. So Washington State Patrol is the only law enforcement agency in our state who's not allowed to destroy guns. And that doesn't sound like a big deal, but what that means is if a gun comes into their possession from, you know, the result of a crime or a car accident or whatever it might be, they can't destroy them, which means they end up selling them. And so as much as I can't even believe I need to say it, but in essence, Washington State is an arms dealer if we are selling Guns and firearms back onto our streets. So, this year I have bolstered the bill, allowing Washington State Patrol to destroy weapons, as well as requiring any gun buyback program to destroy weapons. You may have read an article in the New York Times that was talking about a lot of these buyback programs will bring guns to be destroyed. And then the group that destroys them actually disassembles them and even sometimes sells parts of those guns back onto the streets. So we're very clear in this bill, not in Washington state. Somebody brings back that firearm for a gun buyback program and it must be destroyed completely.
1: It seems like that would be the intent of the person who brings a weapon to one of these events, not that they are basically just selling their gun so that it can go back out into the general public.
0: Exactly. I mean, imagine if you bring a gun that you no longer want, which is what gun buyback programs are all about, whether it was because you have a child in the house or you no longer need it, and then find out that you returned it to the law enforcement agency who then sold it and it was used in a subsequent crime or suicide. Imagine how that former gun owner would feel. That is not what gun buyback programs are about, and we don't want that burden on people, and destroying weapons at gun buyback programs just makes sense.
1: Any time a person sponsors any kind of a bill having to do with firearms... Uh, There's going to be controversy and there's going to be opposition, but it should be noted here that in Washington, it's still extremely legal to go into a licensed firearm dealer and buy firearms. So this bill does not at all somehow shut down the market for firearms.
0: Not at all. And in fact, we had a very strong bipartisan vote off the House floor on this bill, which I was thrilled about. And frankly, again, it is common sense. So it does not restrict anybody's right to a firearm, their ability to get a firearm. It extends an existing ability for the Washington State Patrol to destroy guns, just as all other law enforcement agencies already have. So I was actually very heartened to see that understanding across the aisle and having a strong bipartisan vote off the House floor. It's a bill wanted by the Washington State Patrol, supported by by many in the community, because this is really common sense.
1: People may not realize that within the Democratic Caucus, there are caucuses. There might be the Members of Color Caucus. There might be the LGBTQ Caucus. One of the things that you have done here is to be the co-founder of what's called the Moms Caucus. I assume it takes its name from the thrust of what you want to accomplish, which is bills that make parenting more effective, easier, more skillful, and Therefore, it makes it a whole lot easier to be a kid.
0: This year, along with my co-chair, Liz Berry, Representative Berry, we are, again, encouraging support for a number of bills that help support moms, parents, and kids whether it was expanding access to diaper changing stations and all bathrooms to supporting doulas and pay for doulas to expanding child care. Also recognizing the expense that child care and housing plays in families' uh, economic situation. We've really been digging in to make sure that we emphasize those issues The Moms Caucus really started when we did not have that many moms in the legislature. So some of both the policies, like legislative policies and laws in our state um, needed to be addressed, but also just within our own walls here at the Capitol and really making sure that we were highlighting different aspects that being a parent with young kids meant about being a legislator you know, recognizing that just as people out in the community really need childcare, if we're gonna work late, we needed to know so we could arrange childcare for our, our families, for our kids. So it was really dual focused and I think we have made great strides in our four walls here in the Capitol as well as through
1: policy. That's quite a change, I think, from a hundred years ago when your typical legislator did not really think much about childcare because they looked like Ulysses Grant.
0: (laughs) That's really true. In fact, I think we have a majority of women in the house. So that is definitely a big shift and and quite exciting. You did mention my podcast with uh, Rabbi Wiener. I think a few years ago we also did a podcast with Representative Barry and I on Moms Caucus.
1: We did indeed, and that's one of the reasons that I wanted to find out what was going on these days with that caucus. Uh, because that was one of our more interesting podcasts. And so I'll take this opportunity to remind people that they can listen to just about everything from the last 15 years on Capital Ideas at housedemocrats.wa.gov by hitting the button that says Media and then click on Capital Ideas Podcast. Okay, we've talked about school buses. We've talked about early support for infants and toddlers. Let's move to the other end of the spectrum and talk about something that you've been working on involving people my age.
0: Yeah, I'm excited this year to be working on House Bill 2015, which came to me from constituents. um, Two separate groups of constituents who were frustrated by how long it was taking to get their adult family home licensed for eight beds, for more beds than Uh, We have been doing in the past. And adult family homes house older people. Uh, And what we know is we want to keep our elders in our community. We also want to make sure that when they need to leave the hospital, they're somewhere safe and comforting for them to go. The bureaucracy, unfortunately, in part due to COVID backlogs, was creating this extensively long process to expand at a time when we need more beds. And so working together with the Department of Social and Health Services, with my constituents, uh, we are streamlining that licensing process. The hospitals had this as one of their main issues uh, during their lobby day, and they came to my office to lobby on it, and and neither of us even realized that it was my bill, that that was what they were advocating for. And it's just so important for a multitude of reasons, again, to keep our our seniors in our communities to – get them safely out of hospitals and give hospitals more capacity when, and when that's needed and allow our adult family homes to expand in our communities to tackle that part of the housing crisis.
1: It seems like a real logical kind of common sense bill, which doesn't mean, hey, that's a shoe-in. How's it going?
0: Bipartisan co-sponsorship and unanimous
1: support. That's the kind to get. The last several days have been fairly insane around here with floor action going until 2, 2.30 in the morning, maybe 3. We're recording this on Valentine's Day. It seems like it might have been a rational thing for people to take it easy on this day after the work that's been done in the last few. But that's not the case, and I know you've got some other things on your plate today. Before you go, I want to do something that I probably should do every time I talk to a lawmaker, which is to find out, Why are you a lawmaker? What happened in your life that clicked something in your brain that said, I want to do this hard, thankless job, and I want to do it as well as I can?
0: Thanks for that uh, question and that that reflection. You know, I think what's important to share with people is that it, it really wasn't a click or an obvious thing. It was an evolution, and it was all about being engaged in my community throughout my whole life, and seeing when an injustice needed to be addressed or corrected, and just not being able to sit quiet or on my hands and not address it. The biggest impetus, the specific impetus, was around a road safety issue in my community, And when the seven white men on the city council were not addressing it in the way that I and many in my community wanted it to be addressed, I stepped up and I was like, the voices, the diverse voices in our communities are not being represented. And I wanted to make sure they were. And so that led me into the city council and and then to the state legislature. And I'm so incredibly honored to be here.
1: I'm honored to sit with you and talk every couple of years, and I'm glad we got to do it today. This has been Capital Ideas with Representative Tana Sen from the 41st Legislative District. Describe that district before we go.
0: The 41st District, first of all, is absolutely beautiful. includes the cities of Newcastle, Mercer Island, Bows Arts Village, Bellevue, Issaquah, and Sammamish. Thank you, Dan, so much for having me. It's always a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Tana. I'm glad we got to do it here. Me too. Unfortunately, we've reached the end of this episode of Capital Ideas, but don't despair. We'll be back in a few days with a new conversation with Representative Lillian Ortiz-Self, chair of the House Democratic Caucus, and a pretty accomplished lawmaker herself. If you're a subscriber to Capital Ideas, you'll get that one without lifting a finger, but if you're not, this would be a good time to change that. You can subscribe on all the usual podcast aggregators, but you can also just head over to housedemocrats.wa.gov and tap that media button at the top of the page. This is your state government, and what happens here matters. The more you know about it, the better you can make it work for you, your family, and everybody you see when you go outside and look around. I'm Dan Frizell for the Washington State House Democrats, putting people first since 1889. Thanks for listening.